Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. friends, and welcome to this season after Pentecost, this Sunday opportunity that we have to be together and to worship and to hear from the Word and to hear from the Spirit in our hearts. And I invite us to just take a moment and reflect and prepare for all that might be said and all that we might hear. And so please pray with me. Gracious Lord, I thank you that we can gather when we would love to be in the building together. You connect us from where we are, that we can still be of one spirit and of one body. We could still be your church. I thank you for the lesson that this time has provided for us, that to be the church has very little to do with being in the building. And as we look forward to the day that we can all safely, responsibly gather in person, we thank you that you continue to be with us in this time to help us to work through the difficult moments, to work through the way that we have been able to see things from perspectives we've never seen them by being at home, by being present around the country and the world, by being made aware of so much that is happening in our community, in our state, in our country, and on this incredible planet which we as humanity share together. Lord, draw us in at this time that our focus may be on you, that our connection may be to each other as your children and as your children alone, as sisters and brothers. Help us, if only for this time, to be your children first and only, to be sisters and brothers only. I thank you that you bring us together through your Holy Spirit as we continue to ease into, to celebrate, to grasp and embrace the season of Pentecost. As we hear from the word, Lord, I ask that you speak through me in spite of me, that we hear you in spite of ourselves. Help us to set aside our expectations, our preconceived notions, that we don't measure what we hear by what we hoped to hear or what we think it should mean, and rather just what you have to say 
where you move us. We long to be your people. And we tune our ears and hearts to you. And may all that we hear and carry with us and embody and become witnesses to, may it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, Lord. You and you alone are our Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Word about him went out throughout the whole district. He taught in their synagogues and gained a great reputation all around. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. On the Sabbath, as was his regular practice, he went into the synagogue and stood up to read. They gave him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to tell the poor the good news. He has sent me to announce release to the prisoners and sight to the blind, to set the wounded victims free, to announce the year of God's special favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. Today, he began, this scripture is fulfilled in your own hearing. Everyone remarked at him. They were astonished at the words coming out of his mouth, words of sheer grace. Isn't this Joseph's son, they said. I know what you're going to say, Jesus said. You're going to tell me the old riddle. Heal yourself, doctor. We heard of great happenings in Capernaum. Do things like that here in your own country. Let me tell you the truth, he went on. Prophets never get accepted in their own country. This is the solemn truth. There were plenty of widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine all over the land. Elijah was sent to none of them, only to a widow in the Sidonian town of Zarephath. And there were plenty of people with virulent skin diseases in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was healed, only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue flew into a rage. They got up and threw him out of the town. They took him to the top of the mountain on which their town was built, meaning to fling him off. But he slipped through the middle of them and went away. Jesus went around all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, announcing the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt deeply sorry for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, there's plenty of harvest to be had, but not many workers. So pray the master of the harvest to send more workers to harvest his fields. 
Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, the rock, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Jesus sent these twelve off with these instructions. Don't go into Gentile territory, he said, and don't go into a Samaritan town. Go instead to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, declare publicly that the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse people with skin diseases, cast out demons. It was all free when you got it. Make sure it's free when you give it. Don't take any gold or silver or copper in your belts. No bag for the road, no second cloak, no sandals, no stick. Workers deserve their pay. When you go into a town or village, make careful inquiry. For someone who is good and trustworthy and stay there until you leave. When you go into the house, give a solemn greeting. If the house is trustworthy, let your blessing of peace rest upon it. But if not, let it return to you. If anyone won't welcome you or listen to your message, go out of the house or the town and shake the dust off your feet. I'm telling you the truth. It will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See here, Jesus continued, I'm sending you out like sheep surrounded by wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Watch out for danger from people around you. They will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues. You will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as evidence to them and to the nations. But when they hand you over, don't worry how to speak or what to say. What you have to say will be given to you at the moment. It won't be you speaking, you see. It will be the spirit of your father speaking in you. One brother will betray another to death. Fathers will betray children. And children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of my name but the one who holds out to the end will be delivered. When they persecute you in one town, run off to the next one, telling you the truth. You won't have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This passage is Jesus sending out the disciples to continue the work that he has been doing. The way that this gospel account of Matthew is set up is we have the birth of Jesus, we have the foretelling of him and John the Baptist, and then we have Jesus showing up, grabbing some disciples, and then immediately giving us the Sermon on the Mount. Now the Sermon on the Mount is the announcement of the arrival of the kingdom of God and all that it means. 
because the way of the world says that the most powerful are the ones that are in charge. They're the most blessed. It says that we should all be seeking to climb and become successful. And Jesus says, you know, it's actually the poor that are blessed. It's actually those that are pure of heart, those that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness' sake, for justice, those that are meek, humble, gentle, those that are persecuted. They're the ones. They're the ones that are blessed in the kingdom of God. And then he expounds upon all that that means throughout the remaining of the sermon. And then to prove that this arrival of the kingdom has in fact happened and to prove all the blessing that it promises, he then spends the next couple of chapters healing, taking outsiders and making them insiders, whether they were lepers and untouchable, whether they were a Roman centurion and, and definitely were not part of the Israel, the Israel crowd, whether they were those who were demonic, whether it was a woman who's bleeding, these outsiders, socially outcast, at the bottom of the structure, are healed and brought back in as a sign that this new way is, in fact, happening. And so, once Jesus has done this work, he then sends the 12 out to continue the work because that's how this is going to happen. Jesus starts and he goes to all the towns and villages and he announces the arrival, the good news of the arrival of the reign of God. But then he looks and sees the great crowds of people that are dejected and distressed. And so he sends out the church. Now, the way it's explained in the scripture is through 12 disciples. It's all symbolic. Okay, there were 12 disciples and they are named. But the 12 comes from the tribes of Israel of old because Israel was going to be established through the man named Israel. You could also call him Jacob. His sons became the 12 tribes and that is the people of Israel. Jesus is bringing a new kingdom, a new Israel, establishing a whole new community that is the true Israel. And so naturally, you need 12 to then go forth. And the 12 will take on their own disciples, and, and then those disciples of disciples will take on their own disciples, and that's how the church grew. And so he gives them specific instructions on how to, to go around, and, and you're encouraged to go and read that for yourself or rewind and, and listen to it again and reflect upon it because essentially what he's telling them is go and do this work, but don't be expecting anything in return. Just do the work for the sake of the work. Be the workers for the harvest and let that be your joy. Don't take anything with you. Don't, don't, don't take anything in return for your work other than the place to stay and food to eat for that day. And then go on to the next town. Offer your peace. If they don't return it to you, okay, receive back the peace. Shake the dust, which means leave it behind. Leave the rejection, the hard feelings, leave it all behind. Be people of forgiveness. And go on to the next place that they may receive you. You are going out to announce this new way while the old way still exists. And so, all the people that are benefiting from the old way, who want to see the old way succeed and become more powerful. They are not going to like you coming in announcing this other kind of kingdom where they long for the love of power. You're bringing the true power of love and 
they are not going to respond well. But don't worry. Let them bring you before kings and, and whoever it is they're going to bring you before, you'll know what to say the Spirit will be with you. Now, it's obvious at this point, Jesus isn't just talking to the 12 disciples. He's talking to us. Because at first he tells them, only stay in Israel, don't go anywhere else. And then he goes on to say, but when you're preaching to all the nations, you'll be dragged before their kings, before their leaders. So it's obvious he's speaking to the crowd that is reading the story, not the crowd that's, that's the characters in the story. He goes on to say that your family will reject you. Now, in their culture, you belong to your family first, and your allegiance was to your family first. You carry a, a family name like we do now, except everything we do reflects upon that name. So you honor that name first. But Jesus goes on to say in the gospel accounts that our family is actually the people of God. All those who do God's will, those are our family. The name that we carry is not our earthly father, but our heavenly one, which is why God's referred to as father, because we carry the name of the family and call each other sister and brother. And when we start living like that, then your earthly sisters and brothers, mothers and fathers may not respond with a lot of support and encouragement. They may when it's easy, but when it comes to you standing against what they think you should be doing, well, then you might find that there's division and people turn and, and it gets rough. But again, we simply shake the dust and we go. We see this modeled by Jesus. He has a very specific message. In Luke 4, he shows up in Nazareth before the people that he's grown up with. He speaks in the synagogue about the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that the great day of the Lord is upon them. The spirit of the Lord has anointed him to release the prisoners to give sight to the blind. It's good news for the oppressed and the poor. The captives are going to go free. And everyone there starts getting kind of excited about this. Oh, we've been looking forward to this, but how are we gonna know that this is true? And as they're starting to think through and process through their own understanding, Jesus kind of lets them know, look, I know that you have an expectation for what this is going to look like, but it's not gonna be what you thought it was going to be. And then he goes on to tell two stories, two stories about two of Israel's greatest prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and how what they did, that the widow that was helped during the time of famine was not an Israel widow, but the widow of Zarephath. And then Elisha didn't help the, is, the Israel commander, but actually helped the, the Syrian commander, the enemy, the people that had just defeated Israel. He was going to be the one that was helped. What Jesus is saying is Israel my people. You think that this great day that's coming is going to be just for you because you've kind of gotten lost in the story. The story started in the time of Abraham that you would be a blessing for everyone else, but you've kind of made the story that it's all about you, you first, your family first, your country first. And he lowers the boom that that's not how it was ever intended and that's not how it's going to be. They then drag him out of the synagogue and try to kill him. So we see already that Jesus knows what he's talking about when he tells the disciples that you're stepping out into wolf territory as sheep. And you will be dragged before leaders. You will be turned on. It's so striking to me, this image. Jesus offers truth 
through the scripture to the people in the synagogue in Nazareth. Why didn't they hear it? Why weren't they ready for it? They know the scriptures. How did another message get in the way? And I wonder if the people had simply stopped, set their expectations down, and listened, how things might have been a lot different. The fact that they drugged Jesus out and sought to throw him over a cliff says there was very little chance that they were going to ever open up to what Jesus actually had to say. And that was Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God in flesh, right before them. They couldn't see it because they weren't hearing what they wanted to hear. And in their fear, they got angry. And in their anger, they completely shut themselves off. Jesus is telling the disciples, this is how it works. Because this good news, as he tells them, the opening of our reading today, he was announcing the good news and healing every disease and every sickness. And we find that he is healing the blind. He is healing people that are on the underside of the structure. He's restoring them to wholeness. He is healing the people that are the oppressed. He hears their cries and he heals them while at the same time warning that those who are at the top of the structure are going to be humbled, are going to be brought down. They are headed in the wrong direction. It's no wonder that the people on the bottom were listening when the people at the top were not. Now, that's the story in the scripture of our calling as disciples, of our mission as the church. And many times this mission seems pretty clear. We share the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, of healing and salvation, of eternal life in God, to be a part of the church, the repentance of sins, and this all, this all true and good. But then we have a time like this time, when we're not really sure what to do or what to say. Now, some of us will quickly just kind of turn inwardly to the things that are comfortable for us and we'll reframe what should be happening. We'll start judging it based on what we think. And, and many times, if we're honest, that is simply an effort for us to feel more comfortable. Because when we're comfortable, we don't have to be afraid. And when we don't have to be afraid, typically we aren't going to get angry. And when we aren't getting angry, then we aren't lashing out and becoming judgmental and hateful and, and divisive. And right now, church, we aren't the ones that need to be saying much. There will be a place and there will be a time. And maybe for some of you that that time has come already and that's great. But I think there is a, a very real need for us to listen. Jesus had taught the disciples how to recognize the oppressed, how to recognize the poor, the captive, the imprisoned, those who were suffering, the dejected, the detested, 
the helpless. They had seen how to recognize that. And so it was their time to go and become apostles, those sent. That's what the word apostle means, one sent. It was their time because they knew how. Typically, we know how to be apostles ourselves. But then we have the climate of what's happening all around us in response to the brutal murders of black and brown men and women for centuries. Not much has changed. We're seeing it more now. It's being filmed. We have for the first time as an entire world watched someone die. And suddenly this has awoken us all to a reality that's been here for a long time and that will continue to be here for a long time because it's gonna take a long time and a lot of effort for things to really change. Now, some of you right now are, are maybe rolling your eyes because you hear this stuff all the time and I invite you to just sit with, if you're getting stirred up inside uh, with a little anger, uh, with, with frustration, I invite you to sit and just question why having this conversation stirs up the emotions in you. I, I, I think the people in Nazareth that started getting angry and feeling like you know, Jesus was going too far, if maybe they had just stopped and considered something well outside of their expectation, what might have happened that day in the synagogue? There are people everywhere in the church, outside of the church, that are all seeing the same thing. They're seeing people protest and march and speak. They're seeing leaders on TV share uh, their perspectives on things and, and lots of competing messages about what's happening and what it means and what should happen from here. And there are people that are in power that are being threatened. And there are people that are without power that are rising up and calling for people in power to be lowered. And, and we all have our own emotions and thoughts about this. I do too. But I think now, I feel like someone in the synagogue in Nazareth. As much as I've been aware of things, I've heard about it, read about it, studied, written papers on it, I truly don't understand the realities that I've been hearing. Hearing people that I know share their stories about the time that they experienced some awful behavior by those that we are supposed to be able to trust, to hear their stories from when they were children and their perspective on the world around them and how the world felt about their skin color. I have learned so much in this last week and it has only made me realize I have so much more to learn. Part of me feels like I need to say something as a pastor, as a father, as a human citizen, as a brother of my friends who are people of color, I need to say something, but at the same time, I think, you know, maybe I just need to listen first. I have much to learn. There's anger stirring in me. There's fear stirring in me. Part of it is confronting myself and realizing the bias and prejudice that I still carry, that I'm trying to recognize and undo 
and be healed from, to be saved from and redeemed from. But it's all a matter of what are we really striving for as disciples, as people? What are we striving for? The people in Nazareth in the synagogue, what were they really striving for in reading the word that day? Were they really striving to hear the truth or were they really striving for the word to support and affirm their truth? And we fall, fall victim to this in the church. We all do it. We all do it as we hear the news, as we follow political leaders and, and guidance from those that we trust. We tend to listen to the news that affirms what we're wanting to hear, that affirms the truth we already carry. We don't bother listening much to the other voices because we don't want to confront ourselves and confront the possibility that maybe we have a lot to learn yet. It's hard. It's very hard. Which is why Jesus talks about losing your life to find it. Laying your life down. Picking up the cross. I invite you to trust in the Holy Spirit. That if the time comes that something needs to be said, if someone forces you to say something, that the Spirit will give you what you need to say. To say on behalf of disciples who seek after the kingdom of God first, who seek after the way of Jesus Christ first and only, who seek to be the source of good news and announcing the arrival and availability of God's life and kingdom here and now. And if we're not asked to speak, let us listen. Let us passionately listen. As a person who has white skin, right now is not the time to be understood. Right now is the time for me to understand. And I invite you to set upon that same quest because the ultimate goal is that we learn to recognize the crowd that is in need, the crowd that is at the bottom of the system, who are shouting that the system has been built to keep them down. Whether you agree with it or not, what do you have to lose by hearing them out, by just at least trying to understand what it is they have to say? We have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Because when we start to have compassion as Jesus did, to seek the will and way of the kingdom which blesses the poor, the peacemakers, the pure of heart, those who hunger and thirst for justice, we become a part of that kingdom ourselves and witnesses and heralds and disciples in a world that needs to hear the message. So let us this week listen. Let us take time to hear from voices that we don't typically hear from. Seek out the voices that are saying things that stir up emotion in you. And let us not react like a crowd in a Nazareth synagogue. Rather, let us respond like disciples. Let's just follow it and see where it goes. If it leads us into the way of peace and love and reconciliation and generosity and goodness, faithfulness, self-control and joy, then let us keep going. And if it's not, then we'll just shake the dust off and move on to the next. Let us seek out 
where God is at work. And God is at work in ways that we might never imagine. And so let us lay our expectations down and seek Jesus first and the work of Jesus in the world around us first and allow ourselves to be transformed and renewed in our mind and our heart and our spirit because that's what God wants you to do. That's what God calls us to do and that's what God promises to do if we simply lay ourselves down to seek after the life God has to offer. Let us be as innocent as doves and as shrewd as snakes, using our mind every bit as we can, but leaving our heart open and soft. And let our actions of listening and seeking to understand be the witness that the world needs right now as we continue through this strange and tumultuous time. Let us pray. Lord, we need you. You are amazing and so good. You are sovereign. You are full of mercy and grace. We need you now. And you need us. Help us to grow. If there are areas in our life where we are blind, Lord, heal us. If there are areas in our life that we are imprisoned by our expectations, Lord, release us. Help us to be a part of your way and your will. To go into the world as disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of this world. And Lord, it's by your spirit that we are led It is upon your spirit that we rely, and it's through your spirit that we offer our hearts and our prayers. Amen. We thank you for joining us today, and it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.